Hey folks, welcome to the podcast. This being episode 446. And I got Matthew on with me today. You do. You do. I'm back. Gave you a hiatus. <laughs> yeah, you had Jacob on, then you had a couple of guests, and now you're back to the old uh the old guard. Yep. Yep, yep. Old reliable Matthew Marister. <laughs> Well, I'm just happy to be back, and uh, I know I know some of our uh, normal watchers and listeners are probably affected by the hurricane right now, so we're thinking yeah. about you guys, hoping you guys are safe out there. Yep. Yep. I think I mentioned that a little bit in Tuesday's episode, as that was, you know, barreling towards the mainland, and, uh, you know, it sounded like the, the, issue, the concern is not so much wind, right, but just all the water coming with the storm and how slow it's moving and uh uh yeah definitely uh definitely praying for you folks down there in the south um alabama mississippi florida florida panhandle yeah crazy stuff there guys uh hey bobby gary i'm ignoring the matthew guy hey other gary from indiana what's Mm -hmm. up Today is uh, so today's going to be a bit of a hybrid episode, and we're kind of we're we're making up for some lost ground. Uh, today we're doing our justified save stories, which we normally do on the first Tuesday of the month, but schedule is all out of whack, and I had a couple of guest interviews, and so here we are finally doing the justified saves for the month of September. Uh, really excited about that though, because we have some great stories today. We're also going to cover single-handed shooting. Uh, particularly with the primary hand, and although really the techniques are pretty much the same, regardless which hand you're using, the only difference being you know how you transition to the other hand, uh, particularly. But um, uh, that 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 uh, technique is covered in this month's just released today actually shooter ready challenge video. Uh, so uh, that should be actually live before we are done recording this episode. So it'd be uh, that'll be a cool one to go check out, guys. Make sure you participate in the Shooter Ready Challenge. Uh, you know, a, a free way of getting some, uh, you know, getting better at stuff, working on things, doing dry fire. Uh, hey, G- <laughs> <laughs> we were just That's talking good. about that this morning in our company <laughs> meeting about uh, how how young Matt looks. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm Benjamin Button over here, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're 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 literally watching that movie, and like, you know, over the we're, we're watching your you in real life in the course of a few <laughs> weeks. Old grizzly, mm. you know, grandpa figure regress. Do we, do we call it? I don't know if we should consider it regressing. You're you're looking good, brother. Thank you, thank you. I, I try. Say it's an improvement. Yeah, it's it's coffee and rest. I finally got two of those combined in a couple of days straight, and I'm good. <laughs> hey, I, I don't think that uh, you know. I don't. You don't look like we can trust you <laughs> quite as much as you know. Like you don't have that grandfatherly wisdom look. Yeah, I know. So, I got away know, with it, it. It's always you know that it's a toss up, right? Yeah. Now you the dumb things useful. I say are more evident. 
Keith, any idea why this isn't on my email yet? I'm not sure what you're referring to, Keith. Um, hey, Randy, Hopper, Larry. Just seeing who if we've missed anybody. Looks like we got everybody so far. So, guys, let's get this. Uh, let's get this thing going. Um, again, uh, justified save stories today, plus uh, shooter ready challenge, single handed shooting. Uh, we'll cover all, we'll cover all that today. And Matthew, I'm going to ask. Uh, partly because I spaced it, also just because of with interviews and everything. Uh, I'm going to ask you to be ready to pull uh, our most recent winner sure. of the giveaway. Absolutely. So we, we need to do that. <clears throat> Graybeard is now pale face. <laughs> <laughs> See, and we even were able to call you Gray Goat there for a while. Yeah. We can't do that now. Yeah, a couple days probably, but... <laughs> <laughs> All righty, let's begin the recorded portion of the audio in three, two, one. This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 446. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined today by producer and chief, <laughs> master of many things. Awesome, pale-faced dude, missing facial hair, Matthew Marister. What's going on, man? What is going on? <laughs> I'm doing great. I'm not looking as good as you, you know, so, yeah, so there's that at least. I don't know. I don't know. My my screen's a little blurry. I think the camera's throwing <laughs> off, so. <laughs> yeah, here I'm staring at my double chin a little bit, <laughs> and uh, you're, you're getting younger, you know, as the weeks go on. Yeah, Benjamin so, Button, man. That's what I said. I guess, I guess this is your way of uh, emerging from uh, the COVID crisis. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's we crazy. Got down, so you. <laughs> yeah, I, I know a lot of people. A lot of people have put on weight, and some people have probably gotten a little bit more fit because they're working out, maybe in a home gym or something. So everybody's going to be looking different once we get back to work, and you see people who are like, "Who are you?" <laughs> yeah. Lots of beards yeah. and long hair. Yeah, I, and and me, I'm just I'm just holding steady, dude. I have neither gained nor really a while there during the quarantine. We were like practically under a literal quarantine here in the Denver area uh, because of how much things were shut down. And I was working out a little bit more aggressively there for a period. And I might have lost about five pounds, but <laughs> you know, five pounds is not really you know anything like. Yeah, anyway, so uh, awesome. Looking good, brother. Hey, today, folks, uh, we are thrilled to be with you. We are bringing to you uh, actually kind of a, a makeup episode of sorts because we're, we're a week or two behind on bringing to you our monthly edition of Justified Save Stories. And our Justified Save Stories, what we call DGUs or defensive gun use stories. Uh, some of you might be familiar with that term instead. Uh, we call them that because for us, it's important that uh, as, as far as we can tell based on the evidence in the stories and these come from news stories from a variety of sources and you know those things are always difficult to to you know really uh, you know know if the, the the news media is covering those things accurately enough but we do the best we can and we make some assumptions uh but it's important to us that these defensive gun uses are are done so in a proper and appropriate and a justified way uh that's you know what we want to take from this is 
what can you know what do we need to be doing and where do we need to be at mindset wise and with our preparation and everything so that if we find ourselves in a situation we have to draw and use our gun we don't get ourselves in trouble we don't want to end up behind bars having to you know spend thousands and thousands of dollars in in defense so uh, wonderful things and, and many many things we can learn from these justified save stories uh, we've got a bunch of great stories today. We're also going to talk a little bit about single-handed shooting, uh, particularly with your primary hand, which is the featured, uh, that's actually the featured drill, if you will, in this month's just released Shooter Ready Challenge. Uh, and you can always check out the Shooter Ready Challenge at ShooterReadyChallenge.com. The latest video may already be up. I, I'm pretty sure it'll be up and, and live before we are done recording this episode here today. So again, head on over to shootreadychallenge.com. Uh, we'll come back and again, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the, the topic of this month's challenge. But first, today's episode sponsored brought to you by LASR or laserapp.com. Those are the dudes, good friends of ours. They're based in Lincoln, Nebraska, and they are the creators of the laser activated shot reporter software that I've used for years. It is the featured program that we use in the Shooter Ready Challenge because it is a way for us in dry fire to get shot time data, right? Because it, it can track uh, the speed at which we do things in dry fire. Uh, it can track some accuracy. And, and those things don't perfectly correlate to live fire performance, but it's still really good to have. And, and I'll tell you, that's one thing, you know, it's, it's, it's a great way if you just want to work on maybe your draw to first shot times. Laser app and their latest version, the Laser X version of the software is a great way to test things like that in dry fire. Uh, and that's an important thing where ammo costs what it does these days and is hardly available at all. So uh, hopefully you're stepping up your dry fire game. Check out Laser app and that's spelled L-A-S-R-A-P-P.com. Uh, to learn more about their fantastic program. It does require some sort of laser-activated shooting device, a CERT pistol, for instance, a laser cartridge inserted into the, the barrel of your live gun, a laser light pistol. You know, there's all kinds of these different options, but the one we I really prefer, I, I think you're in the same boat on this, Matthew. I'm a huge fan of Next Level Training's CERT pistol. Yeah. All right. It, it is bar none, you know, the best laser train device out there uh, available, especially for the civilian market. So, guys, that's what I that's what I use. It's what I use for a lot of dry fire training. It's what I use with the laser software. Uh, they have the new 320 model, which is awesome for me because that's what I shoot for years. I've used the Glock models. Uh, they have the MMP model as well. They have what they call the pocket pistol. Uh, version as well, which is similar in size to a P365 or Shield. So, uh, guys, head on over to nextleveltraining.com to learn more about their great CERT pistol products. Uh, they also have the new CERT Stick, which is a AR-style platform dry fire training uh, device as well. And uh, so, training.com. So, Matthew, uh, yes, let's talk sir. about single-handed shooting. This month's Shooter Ready Challenge. Uh, how important do you think the skill of being able to shoot one-handed is? 
You know, it, it's an interesting question because it, it, sometimes it comes into how much we practice or what do we train when we go. I know we talk about it when we um, when we're teaching like those three day classes and things like that, advanced classes. Is how much time do you you focus on the the high probability stuff, the the foundational stuff, and then how much of your training do you focus on you know the less probable uh things like one-handed shooting one-handed manipulation things like that um it's probably not something that you're that you that you would do obviously uh, a majority of the time but i think when we watch videos of uh citizens shooting even some police officers uh police involved shootings um there is a tendency i think uh, maybe because people are going about their day, they may have like a cell phone in their hand or a bag that um, oftentimes people are shooting one handedly instinctively um, at close distances and things like that. So I think it's probably more probable than what we think, but not, you know, a super high um, where you spend 80 percent of your time training for one handed shooting. I don't mm-hmm. know if that answered your question, but yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, the fact is, is it- it, it is important. It is relevant. Uh, it's debatable as to how important or relevant it is. But you are right that, I mean, you can go watch John Correa's active self-protection channel and watch any number of shootings he has in his catalog there. And a good number of them show civilians running their gun with one hand, even when they have a second hand available. Uh, there's a couple of examples where people are are holding uh, things in their arms, holding children. There's, there's a really, uh, I think I can actually think of two where there's like a child in the arms as, as the parent is trying to use their gun, crazy, crazy stuff. Um, there's kind of the old, uh, I don't even know. Myth is probably not right word because I do think it happens from time to time. Uh, how big a concern is, I think is, is, is debatable, but you know, the, the old kind of myth that, well, if you, you need to train to drop whatever's in your hand uh, when you draw your gun because, you know, you won't do it and you're going to shoot one hand. Um, it has happened. I've seen it. I've seen video evidence of that. Um, a lot of this, though, I think is a, is a training thing, Matthew. I think it's um, people are in a situation that they're very uncomfortable with. They've never experienced before in their life, and their skills with a gun are not you know, they're, they're not handling that gun and shooting that gun on a daily or weekly basis. Mm-hmm. And so it's still a bit of a foreign object to some degree, as far as, uh, you know, them manipulating that gun and shooting it. And so they grab gun, they shoot. And before they know it, they're just, you know, they're just shooting it one handed, uh, because honestly shooting it one handed or two handed probably wouldn't make much difference for some of those people, uh, just, you know, in terms of their actual effectiveness of hits. Sure. Um, but two-handed shooting is especially in, in a trained person's hand. To, a two-handed grip gun is always better than one-handed. So that's mm-hmm. where we want to be, and that's what we want to definitely be practicing a lot. But one-handed shooting is relevant. It sometimes happens. It is sometimes necessary. Uh, so did you watch the uh, shoot rate challenge uh, video yet? I didn't because it hadn't been posted. So oh, right. I'll yeah. have to wait till afterwards yeah. to watch it with we, everybody we, else. We would have had to have uh, gotten you the private link. <laughs> um, uh, so, so let me just kind of overview a couple of things here. And then I, I want to hear your thoughts uh, in the shoot rate challenge. I talk about, uh, I talk about grip 
you know, one-handed grip on a, on a gun, which the point I'll make there is that my grip doesn't really change from one to two hands and vice versa. Uh, it, it's basically the same. Uh, the amount of pressure I'm, I'm using on the gun is probably about the same, maybe a little bit more when I'm shooting one-handed only. Um, positioning of my thumb, I think, is really key in, a, in that my thumb is flagged high on the gun. Uh, I say flagged or it, it's, it's, it's uh, what's another term for that? Um, you know what I mean, right? Like it's not, my thumb is not tucked down into the grip of the gun. Right. Uh, my thumb is up and it's out of the way. And that's because that's how by default, that's how I grab my gun. That keeps my thumb out of the way so that when I'm adding my support hand to the grip, it's out of the way. Mm-hmm. So that's, that stuff is all the same. Uh, then we talked a little bit about foot positioning, uh, and I talk about the different schools of thought or different methodologies for how I might position our feet when we're shooting one-handed in particular. Uh, and then we also talk a little bit about trigger mechanics. And because that starts becoming really important where you can really be sloppy with a two-handed grip. I mean, generally sloppy, right, to a point. You, you can cover some things up a little bit. You can get a little bit uh, you can you can use a lot more aggressive trigger manipulation when you're shooting two-handed. Mm-hmm. And that, by honestly, by itself is like the one thing that separates one-handed from two-handed shooting in terms of speed. Other than recoil management, you know, getting the gun back down on target. But also you can't go quite as fast if you want to retain accuracy because you just you have no room for error uh, in, in that grip and with that trigger manipulation. So, uh, you know, what are some of your kind of key points or, or things that, that you think people need to understand about manipulating or, or shooting a gun one-handed? Yeah, I think I think you hit on a couple good things as far as um, shooting one-handed, keeping that same grip. I think um, what, what ends up happening, if you really focus on training one-handed, I think it will make you a better two-handed shooter. Right. Like if you look at what the weaknesses is, weaknesses are when you're shooting one handed and how it exposes, like you said, uh, maybe a little sloppier of a trigger finger or um, maybe a little anticipation issue or not getting, you know, uh, a, a firm grip and applying pressure where you need to on the grip. You can cover those things up with two-handed shooting, but when you go to one-handed, they get exposed. So if you have somebody there that can kind of point those things out and say, hey, do this, then when you get that second hand on there, all of a sudden, it's it, it makes you a much better two-handed shooter. So um, I, I think um, it, it's important to train one-handed shooting, if nothing else, because of that. Um, and also, I think uh, you mentioned a couple of things about flagging the thumb up. You know, I, I, I like to tell it's... Uh, students like you're like hitchhiking thumb, like you're, you're sticking your thumb up kind of to allow that open spot for the, for the, your support hand to get in there. Um, I know, I know you watch uh, Mike Seeklander, you follow him pretty, pretty closely. Um, he has a, that pretty um, interesting concept of kind of almost getting the, the elbow underneath, uh, underneath the gun or in line rather than kind of out. Um I, I've tried both. I, I can't quite do it. Um, I don't find it as helpful as, as he, you know, he, he seems to find it helpful. But um, there's definitely, like you said, a, a bunch of different methodologies of, of how you do it. But I guarantee you, if you work on the grip alone, um, one-handed shooting, it will, and you, you 
fix those things that are exposed two-handed shooting you'll be much better Mm -hmm. great comment here from j3 on youtube Uh, he says he's been trying the thumbs up method and it's made a huge difference that's awesome i'm glad to hear that uh when i first became aware of that uh it made that adjustment in my own one-handed shooting grip well again it's the same technique for me both one hand or one or two hands uh that thumb is up high and out of the way uh, but yeah, it's made it, it made a big difference. And really, what, it, what we're talking about there, and, and Mike, I'm glad you mentioned Mike Zeklander because I give him credit uh, a couple different places in this month's Shooter Rate Challenge video because these are things that I picked up from Mike uh, over the years. And uh, you know, he talks about how having that thumb up tightens up the the web of the hand, and it also feel fills it fills the hand in around the beaver tail of the pistol uh, a lot more fully. There's no open spots or gaps. You see, that's the thing with like, just like water will always run downhill. Uh, be, you know, you take the, it takes the, the path of least resistance or electricity does the same thing as well, right? Takes the path of least resistance. Uh, so too is recoil that it's going to take the path of least resistance. And so if we have a gap, you know, in those critical areas and really the, the primary hand of when you're particularly when you're shooting one-handed, as uh, Scott Jelinski actually likes to describe it this way, it, it, this whole point of this is your primary hand is a backstop for the gun. That's it. Well, if it's going to be a backstop, I want it to be as an effect as possible, uh, as it uh, fills in all the way around that upper portion of the grip, especially um, around the beaver tail of the gun. So, yeah, looks like Matthew dropped out there for a second, but I think we got him back. Hey, bro. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened, but uh, and I'm not on I'm not on Wi-Fi anymore, so I'm not sure exactly what happened, but we're so, all good. Uh, just making fun of you while you were away for a minute. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, uh, yeah, so primary hand, it's providing the backstop to the pistol, uh, and we want to fill that that gap in around the beaver tail and everything because that's where the recoil is going to try to go. So that's the big thing with that. We did talk a little bit about cant in the shooter rate challenge video. Mm. And as far as, you know, do you go with the cannon technique straight up and down that sort of thing? Uh, I used to cant the gun. That's how I was taught and trained. Uh, and, and these days I orient in a vertical manner. So yes, elbow tucked, basically your elbows pointing to the ground, just like Mike mm-hmm. C. talks about it in testing the various techniques that's made a, a difference for me. So we do have to recognize that with all of these things, it, it can vary from person to person, right? Uh, some, some people are going to have a little bit different result with various techniques. I think some things generally are pretty true amongst shooters. Uh, I, I think generally speaking, talking about the thumb being generally up, you know, in an upward position, somewhat on the gun. I feel like from what I've observed works best for most shooters uh, as opposed to, you know, putting it down in the, in, on the thumb rest, you know, how some of these gun manufacturers right. put a thumb rest on the grip that I look at, and I go, that will never be used. In fact, yeah. it just gets in my way, mm-hmm. uh, which by the way, I learned recently and I felt kind of silly for not knowing this sooner, but apparently particularly with your, uh, some of your importers of pistols, so, for instance, a good example, Springfield Armory XD pistols. They're actually imported from Croatia. 
uh, to get the points they need to import the gun, for some reason, having that thumb rest on the grip equates to an extra point. Huh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Mind blown. When I, when I learned wow. that, I was like, what? <laughs> wow. So, so there's it has a no, it has no practical application. Yeah. There's a reason they have, you know, a thumb rest, even if they don't believe it's important uh, for the grip on the gun. Uh, it, it, but yeah, just weird, crazy, you know, stupid ATF, you know, <laughs> regulation <Right>. stuff. <laughs> Uh, uh, or state department or whatever. Anyway, so um, yeah, we talk about camp, right? We talk about foot position. And so what I would encourage people to do is experiment and try all the different kind of options and techniques and pay close attention to your sights or your sighting system on your gun because that will tell you a lot of the story. Okay, so as you're changing things and trying different techniques, really try to see your your sights, track your sights or track your dot in the case of a red dot. That'll give you some feedback on how well a particular technique is working in terms of control and recoil management on a gun. And then also you want to put things on a timer, so a shot timer. And then you, of course, need to have some sort of accuracy standard. And so as we change variables, we want to try where possible to change one variable at a time, test things out, put it on a timer, uh, try to collect some data and make those decisions that work best for you, not because they feel the best necessarily. I mean, feel is fine, but data is final. You know, being able to look at something and go, I use this technique and it resulted in consistently better hits and faster time. Well, that's a no-brainer. When I first started doing the thumb up, you know, grip, it felt weird. Like a lot of things feel weird the first time we do them because we we get used to doing something a certain way for a long time. That was like that just just felt so weird. Um, you know, we're, we're used to grabbing objects with our four fingers and an opposable thumb and we grasp them like that, you know, like, like the handle on a, on a, on a mountain bike or something, right? Like I'm going to put my hand around that thing and, and, and grip it. Um, and, and so gripping a pistol seemed like it should be the same, but not really. <laughs> yeah. I agree, man. Uh, it felt weird. It looks weird, but performance was measurably better. So anyway, uh, go guys, good, go check good, out shoot rate challenge video. Shoot rate challenge. Well, what's that? I was going to say good case for the, for use of the Mantis X. Cause you can yeah. actually track there you go. You know, those types of things. So hold and all that stuff. Yes. Great. Uh, and another excellent suggestion, uh, as far as collecting data on your shooting and the very same thing you're doing, uh, technique wise. Yeah. Awesome. Good stuff. All right, guys, one more time. ShooterRateChallenge.com is where you'll find uh, the latest challenge. And, of course, by participating in the challenge using the Laser X software, you're automatically included in a random drawing for prizes. So don't forget about that part. Speaking of prizes, we do ha- we still do the weekly prize giveaway uh, on the podcast. Uh, lately, we've been a little bit off schedule with getting things announced, but today we'll be announcing a winner for uh, the latest giveaway. And don't forget to sign up at concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. 
Let's tune now or tune or turn. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's turn now to our justified safe stories. Yeah, let's do it. And this first story, Matthew, I'd like you to, you know, give us a rundown (laughs) of this story comes out of Eugene, Oregon. Been there. Beautiful, uh, beautiful area, beautiful uh, mountains to the, to the, it's kind of nestled in the mount on the west side of the mountains there. Uh, Interesting story out of Eugene, Oregon, about how one woman saved not one, but technically two kidnapping victims. Yeah, pretty crazy. So you said Eugene, Oregon, a woman leaves her house early in the morning. She's cruising down the freeway uh, or highway and she's going out to hunt. So she's going out to wherever she's going to go hunting and she has her hunting rifle with her. Uh, as she's driving down the street, she sees a dude coming out. Uh, he's all disheveled. He comes out of the, you know, the, sh- the, the bushes there, the uh, foliage. And uh, he stops her, flags her down and says uh, um, that some people kidnapped him and his, his girlfriend and they assaulted him. Uh, they assaulted her. They're trying to kill him and they're going to try to kill her, too. So she's like, wow, I can't believe this. this is crazy. Um, just then, a dude comes walking out of the same area from which uh, this man came, and he has a handgun uh, with him. And dude's like, that's the guy. She points a rifle at him, holds him uh, there until police can arrive. Uh, turns out that these two people were camping nearby and uh, the man who uh, came out, uh, which this woman who they don't release her name, pointed the rifle at and, and held there until the police arrived. Um, he was with two other gentlemen. They went down and decided to assault these two people and try to kidnap them. Uh, the guy got away um, and went for help. What's that? The female, the female victim was actually an ex-girlfriend of one of the three perpetrators right so it's probably some you know maybe some you know bitter ex-boyfriend or whatnot finds out hey it's my ex-girlfriend and her new boyfriend gets two other idiots to go down there with them and assault both of them and um and, and but it's pretty crazy so two of them are still on the loose um, but they got one guy uh, in custody who looks like a real winner. And uh, but it's crazy. It, the woman in the if you um, watch the video, the woman said that she was surprised that nobody else stopped because this guy was like coming out of the bushes and it, it looked like he needed help. There was a car nearby. They, you know, and she stopped just because she thought, well, maybe I'll help these people. I don't, I don't or this guy. I don't know what's going on. She obviously didn't know that uh, they had been assaulted and kidnapped uh, or held uh, against their will. So she just keeps, you know, if she just kept driving, who knows what would have happened, but um, good on her that she stopped and, and tried to render aid, even though, you know, she didn't know. Maybe the guy just broke down. She didn't know until she got knee deep in this whole situation. So pretty interesting story. Yeah, it really is. You know, in fact, uh, to really kind of drive home the gravity of the situation these people were in, when this Good Samaritan woman stopped uh, on this highway to assist this man, he told her, Oh, 
to, you know, and to be ready for action. When this, mm-hmm. uh, when one of the kidnappers emerged from the woods and was walking down the road towards, I mean, he's obviously, he had a handgun in his hand. Mm-hmm. This seemed pretty apparent. What happened here is that this man that had been kidnapped had managed to escape, was trying to get away. And this man was coming after him with his handgun, trying to locate his kidnapping victim. Somebody was going to die that day. I'm pretty convinced of. But thanks to this woman, nobody actually did have to die. Uh, even if, she, even though she very well would have been justified in using the force, you have an armed man that has committed terrible forcible felonies in kidnapping two individuals and beating them and is approaching them now at this point with a gun. Uh, I'll tell you, I mean, it says at that point she went and retrieved her hunting rifle. Wow. Good on her. I I don't know what kind of distance we were talking about here, but she clearly had the upper hand, uh, was able to get her rifle out, pointed at this man, keep him at bay, uh, hold him there. Police arrived. And, uh, you know, the rest of the story is, well, these people are, are going to, you know, they're going to, they're going to live and go on and, and live, live the rest of their lives. I hope, I hope very happily even, uh, just a remarkable story out of, uh, Oregon. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Um, yeah. And she, she was on her way to go bear hunting. <laughs> yeah. Right. You don't yeah. expect that. I mean, there's a lot going on here as far as like that, that are, there's so much that is not what would be considered mainstream or normal about this. I mean, one kidnappings like this don't happen that frequently. Uh, Multiple individuals involved, multiple kidnapping victims involved. Uh, They're holding them against their will. Man manages to escape uh, you know, and then this woman who is hunt is going hunting, and even that's you know, demographically speaking, statistically speaking, women are not your typical hunters. They're not as common as as men. So just a lot of interesting little tidbits from a story like this, and of course, not one that you would typically find in your mainstream media sources. Yeah, but it's crazy. It's as atypical as it is, right? You're talking about kidnapping and things. They're not the the, the typical instance that we cover, but often they're the most. They're they're very violent, right? Like, um, yeah. you know, some some strong arm robberies or even armed robberies may not themselves. Obviously, it's it's it, pointing a gun at somebody or threatening them uh, is is an assault. Of course, but um, I'm talking like kidnapping people in the woods, holding them at gunpoint and assaulting them. Those th- those types of things are th- the the criminals that do that or the people that do that are normally more violent or more prone to actually, you know, shoot people or do those types of things. Um, so as as you know, kind of off the uh, the norm as it is, they're they're very usually they're very violent. And I, like you said, I I don't doubt that yeah. if this this person the guy would have started running down the street, that the other guy wouldn't have shot him. You know what I mean? To just to keep him from getting away and calling police. Yeah. Uh, so thank God for this woman. You know, so there's an interesting question from uh, Eats, Shoots, and Leaves Tactical on YouTube. He asks, uh, would you make him put down the gun and let him go to avoid false imprisonment charges? 
so first of all, with regards to false imprisonment, kidnapping, things where you, know, you hold someone against their will, you, you as the you're trying to be the good guy, you, you've you've interrupted a crime of some sort, and now you're holding somebody essentially at gunpoint. Um. We start to get into some nuanced areas of the law to some degree, and especially since we're talking about a lot of different states, because uh, things can vary from state to state on something like this. Uh, but what I would say, just from observing and, and, and paying attention to this story, we have a couple of factors at place in place. First of all, uh, very violent, you know, felony were committed here, uh, so. You know, at the very least, we can we could affect a citizen's arrest, and that's somewhat what she did here. Uh, I think you could articulate that trying to actually place this man under arrest would put you in greater harm. Uh, trying to do so, I don't see a problem with her holding this man at gunpoint and waiting for troopers to arrive. But there's another thing that we that we may that it may be easy to overlook, and that's the fact that from talking to our male victim. We're going to learn that there's a female victim somewhere out there, and we we don't want to let this guy go, all right, because he's going to go back to where he came from, most likely. He He's going to go back to where this female victim is, is likely located, and she may be in greater risk of harm uh, by allowing this man to escape. Uh, so... I would say based on some of those factors and being able to articulate something to that degree, I have no problem with uh, holding this man at gunpoint and, and, and keeping him there, you know? So, uh, and I don't see anything happening with this particular case as far as this woman's not being charged with false imprisonment or anything like that. So uh, yes, we are not attorneys here at concealedcarry.com and the concealed carry podcast. But uh, so that caveat should always be, you know, be out there. But uh, those are just those are just some of my thoughts about this particular case. Yep. Turning to the Journal and Courier, jconline.com, uh, this story out of Lafayette, Indiana. This one is uh, this one's really hard to swallow, Matthew. Yeah. Yep. Uh, because it's one that should have had. It's hard to say it'd be a happy ending, right? Because. You know, even in defending oneself and killing a bad guy, doing the right thing, it, it's it's still not a happy thing, right? You get that, I'm right. sure. But anyway, so what we have here is a Domino's pizza delivery driver in Lafayette, Indiana. He's attempting to deliver a pizza, and upon getting to the you know the place of delivery, now it, it doesn't say this, but it would not surprise me. If this was a setup, because it's happened before, it's happened actually quite a few times. Uh, and, you know, we, we even, um, I think we even interviewed the man way back. Uh, that He was a Philadelphia uh, pizza delivery driver that uh, mm-hmm. defended himself. And he ended up getting shot or something, and the bullet got stopped by, boy, that's been a while ago now. Wow. I'm, yeah. I'm trying, I'm struggling to remember all the details. But anyway, point is, this is something, you know, that, being a pizza delivery driver is not a job I'd want to have in terms of safety. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why they're a target at times because 
they don't carry a lot of cash. I mean, you'll be lucky to make away with, you know, 50 bucks. And to me, you're a dumb criminal if you are going to take the risk of robbing somebody for 50 bucks. But anyway, um, maybe less. And these days, most people are placing orders online and they're, they're paying online. Right. So you're talking about, you're robbing the guy of his tip money. Basically what it comes down to. And it's probably not very much. So this Domino's uh, pizza delivery man, his name is Joshua Ungersma. Uh, uh, He was trying to deliver this pizza. This was uh, late on a Monday evening, uh, actually last week. He's approached by a 19-year-old young man uh, who tries to rob him. Well, this 19-year-old suspect was armed, Joshua Ungersma. Also armed, delivery man. He draws his gun. He shoots. He kills this 19-year-old suspect. A witness that lived on the street there said he heard four shots. Now, whether all four of those were Josh Ungersma's or a combination of bad guy and good guy shots, but he came out and saw a man on the ground, apparently dead, And the pizza delivery driver uh, tells him, hey, they were trying to rob me. And and, uh, this neighbor, you know, is basically making sure that the pizza delivery man is uninjured. And he he said here he could tell that he was uninjured. Uh, He asked him, oh, you right? They were trying to rob me. I'm okay. I'm okay. Sort of thing. Right. Um, He then, Ungersma then asked this neighbor, his name, the neighbors, the person that lives in this neighborhood, his name is uh, Gibson. He asked Gibson and his roommate to call the police, which they did. So all, all good things. I mean, so far, this whole situation is playing out perfectly. As far as you have an armed robbery, good guy uses gun to defend himself, does so successfully, bad guy's dead on the ground. And, but you know, he, he's the good guy's still there. He's still armed. Uh, People are checking on him. He asks them, please call the cops, right? That's not a bad play because that allows you to stay focused on the moment, focused on what what, what was and is still happening. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, at this po- point in time, a 17-year-old girl associated with the 19-year-old male robber walked across the street and shot Unger- Ungersma at point-blank range, killing him in the street. Mm-hmm. So, good guy shoots bad guy. Good guy requests help from neighborhood uh, homeowners. Bad guy's girlfriend apparently shoots good guy, just like that. Bam, bam, bam. Yeah, it's it. it this one was so hard on many levels. Um, you know. Tactically or tactical, I mean, well, I, I guess I, I, I'd like to address the, the idea that, you know, we always have situational awareness and stuff and, and, and we should. Right. But um, it, it is it is sometimes tough to see a, you know, 17 year old or 16 year old girl walking down the street as a threat. Sometimes, you know, just yep. she probably didn't look threatening to the guy, right? He's focused on, I just shot somebody, sees a girl, maybe there are other people walking down the street or in the area and didn't expect a 16 year old girl 
um, or 17 year old girl um, to to come up in, in, you know, a point blank range and shoot him and kill him. Um, so it's one of those things where, you know, we talk about scanning the, the area and stuff like that. And, and, and of course, that's that's super important. Um, but sometimes we think of it as like, OK, it's a check in the box and it's a singular event. Like we scan the area. We're good. OK, we go back to the holster. And people are quick to go back to the holster and all this. Um, but I think this is one of those situations that kind of um, emphasizes like, you know, in the moment, you just you you can't do things too quickly. Like you have to slow time down. You know, you have to be methodical in things. And and it looks like he did what he could. He had his wits about him that, hey, call 911. I'm OK. You know, tell him I'm a concealed carrier or whatnot. Um, but this is just one of those tragic tragic incidents and it's it's sad because um it, you know if you go to the short notes we'll, we'll we'll include it but uh i put the uh, the obituary uh for for the the victim here joshua and like he was a good guy it seems like he he, wor- he was working a couple jobs for his family he's a new dad uh just had gotten married recently i mean not a bad guy, you know, and, uh, and it's just a sad ending, but it's, it's a reality of violence. And, um, it's just, it, it's, it's one of those things that we, we sometimes, and we cover this all the time, Riley, mm-hmm. you know, we, but you know, this isn't the, the shooting that he expected. Like, I'm sure that if he went to training classes and stuff, it was always, I shoot the bad guy, bad guy goes down. I search, I assess, everything's good. I go back to the holster and I'm good, but it's ne- you know what I mean? It's, it's, that's not the scenario that is likely to happen. And, and unfortunately, uh, tragically, this is what happened, but, uh, yeah. a lot of lessons to be learned for sure. Yeah, there, there really is, you know, I mean, to your points of, and we weren't there and we don't know, we don't have video evidence. Uh, we are going to have very limited, uh, you know, testimony from, from the victim because he's dead. Right. So other than what was told to witnesses in the immediate uh, moments afterward, and uh, other than maybe what some of those witnesses may, may have, may have seen themselves. Uh, I don't know whether any of them directly witnessed this girl shoot uh, Joshua. Um, but uh, you know, so whether she was perceived as a threat or not, that's, that's unknown and unclear. Uh, I don't know whether she was involved in the initial robbery. Uh, uh, where Joshua would have seen her and associate her with the man he just shot. Because uh, that definitely, you know, would, would play into things. But as far as making sure that, you know, you got to watch after number, you know, numero uno, right? As far as mm-hmm. somebody's, you know, now approaching me after I did this thing and they're not approaching me, you know, with the, with the look and with the uh, verbal cues of, you know, coming to check on you. Uh, we need to be start, you know, we need to start really up in our level of, of, of threat perception and awareness of, well, who's this girl that's coming at me all of a sudden, what's going on here? Yo girl, you know, you got to keep your distance, stay back. Uh, you know, even this is where I think it's important to recognize that sometimes it's, uh, it's, it's good to, uh, in the aftermath, uh, everything's situationally dependent. As far as whether you use deadly force and then you want to consolidate that scene, meaning that you close in on the guy, uh, make you know, so you can make sure that 
things are done and taken care of, or whether you withdraw partially from from that immediate area, whether you withdraw to a place of safety, uh, of, of cover, uh, that might play into this, rather than standing out in the open, uh, which that can present, you know, a, a greater threat because you're you're just out in the open at that point. So we, we don't know a lot of these things, but these are these are good questions to be asking ourselves and considering as we learn from a situation like this and think, well, how might I have responded in that situation? And let's be clear, just about anybody could could fall for this ambush attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, even with so-called perfect situational awareness, we can mm-hmm. miss stuff. We can be aware, but miss certain cues, miss certain pre-attack indicators and, and things of that nature. Because, yeah, we're aware. And, I, yeah, I see this 17-year-old girl, but she doesn't really look like a threat to me. And, you know, there you go. You just missed it, right? So there's just – there's. There's a lot. There's a lot of food for thought in, in something like this. We, I think, we really want to be thinking about similar situations that we could potentially find ourselves in, and ask how we might handle ourselves in the aftermath of a shooting we were just involved in. Uh, whether Joshua scanned and, and searched the area and all that, I have no idea. Uh, again, he might have done so, and it might still not have, you know, been uh, effective for him. Let's be clear that when we're involved in a situation in the real world environment like this, that we're not on the range. So we don't have a 180 degree area we're concerned with. We don't And that means being doing what we got to do and orienting ourselves wherever we need to orient ourselves to. We're not keeping a pistol downrange because there's, there is no downrange, right? We're keeping our gun averted from other non-violent, you know, non-combatant types. Other than that, we turn, we look, we assess wherever we need to while we maintain control over our firearm in a manner that is responsible. So, a uh, question from somebody was, where did she get the gun off the ground? No idea. She could have had her, her own. It, it, and it's, you know, irrelevant, right? Although if we watch somebody walk over and pick up the gun that the bad guy just dropped, uh, we might consider telling them, no, no, back off, you know, uh, that sort of thing. We want to maybe keep preserve the integrity of the scene. It, it might be perceived as they're trying to help us by removing the gun from, you know, this adversary that just tried to use it against me. But we need to be concerned about not only our safety, but also other people's safety. And nobody should be approaching this guy uh, unnecessarily. So just a lot of things, a lot of questions to be asked. Yep. Crazy stuff, man. It is. Yeah. yeah. A tough one to swallow. Yep. Let's go to Jefferson County, Alabama. Uh, Story is intruder uses victim's gun to shoot him, according to the sheriff there. Yeah, this one uh, sad. You know, it's it's not a great story, um, but the 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 victim uh, actually survives. So basically, uh, what happens is this is a home invasion type thing. Nine forty five p.m. Um, they police respond to uh, to a home. A uh, person had been shot. Twenty six year old victim had been shot, uh, and the victim who survives uh, says an unknown man enters. Um, uh, tries to enter his, his home. They get into an argument. 
uh, it turns a physical argument or physical uh, fight. And uh, apparently, you know, in, in the story, it doesn't say whether the, the victim uh, drew his firearm out or if the suspect, you know, disarmed him, uh, saw it, you know, maybe he's open carrying or maybe concealed and it was an holster. We don't know. But at one point, uh, the suspect gets the victim's firearm out um, and gets control over it and shoots the victim and, uh, you know, flees the scene. Um, and so that's really all the information we have on this story that, like I said, the victim survives for what, at least to give them a, a statement. I don't know what happened later. Uh, it doesn't have any updates or anything. And this happened September 3rd. So uh, no updates since then. But um, one of those things where, you know, getting into a fight over your gun, weapon retention type thing, uh, really, really uh, important stuff to think about. Uh, being in a fight over your gun or a wrestling match over your gun is a terrible place to be. Um, one of the you know benefits of concealed carry, but also even with concealed carry, you know um, you get in a, a physical confrontation and that person gets their hand on your on feels a firearm. That might be all the motivation they need to try to disarm you and use it against you. Um, so, you know yep. whether it's whether it's you know gun retention or even um, being able to use that close quarters. I think in one of the comments uh, from one of the viewers, they were talking about practicing close quarters, um, keeping retention of the gun when it comes out um, and not allowing somebody to get the gun out, uh, you know, out of your hands uh, while you're trying to use it even. Um, but yeah, not a lot of information, but a good story to kind of uh, mm -hmm. think about these, these things. Well, well here, here's the things I would think about. Right. There, there's there's a couple of ways that the bad guy in this situation, he's a home intruder. Right. So mm -hmm. he's come into the home. Uh, presumably the occupant of the home. Either hears that intrusion and goes to investigate or the the intruder makes his way to the location of the home where the occupant is located. Um, but either way there's a couple of ways that that bad guy ends up with that good guy's gun. One good guy goes looking for him, uses poor room clearing, checking technique, finds himself face to face with the bad guy to where he doesn't have, you know, before he can react, bad guys got hands on him and on his gun Two, bad guy confronts or good guy confronts bad guy and is unwilling to use force, allows bad guy to get close enough to him to then initiate this, this physical uh, uh, encounter, right, to where the gun is able to be taken away. And then three, assuming a number of other things like that, and you know, the number two that I just listed occurs, good guy does not have the wherewithal, the knowledge, or the skills to handle himself in a hand-to-hand -hand situation and is not familiar with weapon retention techniques and therefore is able, you know, that, that, that's how this bad guy ends up with good guy's gun. Mm -hmm. Bad guy has to end up within arms, arms, uh, arms length of a good guy in some kind of physical altercation and gets his hand on the gun. That's pretty much what it comes down to. That's what we, that's what we can know from this. So we don't know exactly what leads up to that moment but that we know that's where we get to. And so good questions to be asked of ourselves as far as our level of skill, 
how we handle ourselves, uh, maneuvering through our, our our own homes if we you know so choose to to go and investigate uh, bumps in the night and things of that nature. Um, lots of things to definitely consider from from a simple story like that one. And, and fortunately for our victim, he is going to pull through, and we're thankful for that. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And we got some good, good stories, more positive stories coming up. So yeah, <laughs> they're yep. not all doom and gloom, man. Well, uh, yeah, uh, this one's, unfor- you know, been unfortunate, but out of Adrian, Michigan, an 85 year old man was fatally stabbed at a, I think it's a Meyer store. Isn't that, isn't that what you call yep. it? Yep. Yeah. Uh, like we don't have Meyers out here. So, so that's a, it's like a grocery like Walmart type store. Uh, suspect is detained by an armed customer. So Adrian, Michigan, 85 year old man. We don't know even why this suspect stabs him. We don't know. It leads up to that altercation. We don't know if it's random. We don't know if it's targeted. It just says it's unclear what provoked the attack. Uh, according to law enforcement, and they're still investigating, trying to figure this all out. But unfortunately this 85 year old man is stabbed multiple times in the face, head and neck, he does die from his injuries, uh, very much unfortunately. Uh, but a armed customer that was in the store draws his pistol and basically, similar to our Oregon story with the bear hunter, holds this man at bay, holds him basically in custody until police can arrive and take him into police custody. Uh, and uh, so, uh, you know, we presume that by so doing this armed customer prevents additional injury or, or, uh, or death to anybody else in the store or to himself. Uh, again, whether we, you know, we don't really know if this man with the knife was going to continue an attack on other patrons of the store. Uh, if he was going to go somewhere else, if he was going to try something else, we don't, we just don't know those things, but we know that Man was stabbed, armed customer steps in, intervenes, uh, protects himself and others from this knife-wielding suspect from being able to do anything else. Here is the big thing that that I kind of took from this story, Matthew, as I reviewed it, is, and, and, and it's a little bit unclear, right? But what we know is we have a man with a knife that has just murdered somebody, right? So clearly the capacity, the willingness, uh, all that is there for him to potentially hurt or kill somebody else. So we have a clear justification to shoot this, this suspect, right? Our intervention in this situation could be just to shoot rather than try to essentially affect an arrest. Um, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm not trying to tell people, you know, you should have just shot this guy. But here's something maybe consider. And again, we don't know because we don't we don't see this on camera. We don't know what the layout is. We don't know where the 85-year-old man is. We don't know where the suspect is. We don't know where the armed customer is, what the distance is between all these individuals. But I wonder a little bit if aid might have been rendered sooner to the victim if we separated the bad guy from him or shot bad guy, right? 
And then situation, you know, in other words, I picture in my mind the possibility. I'm not saying this is what happened, but I can see something playing out where this armed customer intervenes, holds his this man at gunpoint. Meanwhile, victim is on the ground bleeding out. But because of proximity to bad guy, we're not able to step in and, and try to administer aid. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so we want to definitely be thinking about those kinds of things. If we, if we were to find ourselves in a similar situation, at the very least, if we're not going to use deadly force, we need to try to separate this individual from our victim so we can get on top of that victim immediately with rendering aid. I'm not saying it would have saved this man's life, but and I'm not saying that's not what happened, just that that's something to be considering here and certainly – Again, there was clear justification to be able to shoot. Why this man didn't shoot, I don't know. It's a noble thing to step in and intervene in the first place. It's a noble thing to be able to resolve conflicts without bringing additional pain, suffering, and death on anybody else. But just something to consider, you know, in a situation like this, I think. Yeah. And I'll add one other thing that I, I found in this article that was uh, was a good sign or something good that I picked out was uh, it says while in route, officers were told a suspect was being held at scene at, at the scene at gunpoint by a concealed pistol license holder until they arrived to take the suspect into custody. Super important, um, obviously, when, you know, whoever you're designated to make a 911 call or you're you're yelling out, hey, Whoever's calling the police, tell them I'm a concealed carrier. I'm wearing a brown shirt or black pants or whatever. Um, that's information that the police really need to know. And it can really expedite that that uh, response when they come in. If they can, they know, hey, this is not the shooter. This is not the criminal, the bad guy. Um, and so um, it could expedite things where they're not having to call you out at, you know, bring you out at gunpoint to take custody of you and then go inside. So while that victim's still laying there bleeding out. So um, really good on given the description or, or whatever they did, but it's good that police knew that. Yeah. I'm just realizing the time. So we got to move along and try to wrap yeah, this yeah. up. Um, cover for us uh, this story out of uh, Richardson, Texas, where this Mike's gun room gun store owner, Mike Brown defends himself. Yeah, real quick. So out in Texas, uh, gun store owner, uh, three guys come in the shop. He has a sign on the door that says you must wear a mask when you come in the shop as most or a lot of shops do these days for coronavirus. Right. And so these guys come in. He thinks they're customers at first. Some as he starts to interact with them, he gets kind of like a, a vibe that they're not actual customers. Uh, just about that point, they pull out firearms, uh, demand that he get on the go behind the counter and get on the ground, um, point guns at his head and um, get him on the ground. He's he's uh, 77 years old. He's telling them, hey, I need heart my heart medication. I have a heart problem. Um kind of as, as a ruse to try to dis, you know, kind of uh, get these guys, you know, to, to not focus on him so much as a threat, maybe like, Hey, I'm elderly. I'm weak. I can't do anything. I, I even need my medication. Can I get it? Um, and as soon as he feels that these guys are far enough away, he, it doesn't say that he draws a firearm. So it might've been on a shelf. I don't know, but he retrieves or uh, brings out a firearm. And as 
two of the uh, two of the guys are running out of the store with multiple firearms. Uh, he yells at the third guy, "Hey, stop!" Points a gun at him as that guy turns uh, with a firearm uh, handgun in his hand. Um, Mr. Brown shoots him, hits him in the shoulder, and um, and police come and take custody of the dude. Um, but, you know, it, it was one of those things where um, it was pretty interesting um, that he, you know, he, he he took the opportunity to not try to draw on a gun that's, you know, three guys that have already drawn guns on him. He's going to lose that every time uh, he uses his brain and kind of, you know, kind of as a ruse. And sometimes compliance works. Sometimes it buys you enough time to pick your moment where you can uh, have the upper hand. Um, and this time it worked. Obviously, there's times where compliance is will not work, um, but he was smart enough to keep his wits about him and and survive. And I like the I'll throw in the last little quote. He, uh, they ask you know the, the Brown, the store owner, you know what's going on, and uh, is he nervous? He says, "I hope they don't come back because I I've got more ammo." So he's still all <laughs> you know fired up and stuff. So pretty cool. Well, story. he's a he's a Marine and Vietnam veteran. Yes, you know so. Yep. Uh, He's not going to take crap from nobody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think there were like uh, 60 pretty, firearms or something that got in. Get yeah, it stolen. yeah. Yeah. Which, which tells you, I mean, it takes, it takes some time to collect and carry away that many guns. That uh, gives you a sense of kind of the time frame we're dealing with here. The, you know, from start to end of this event, um, a pretty interesting ruse to fake a heart attack, to create a distraction that gives you the opportunity to, to you know, get to your gun. Uh, creative, for sure. And, you know, it reminds me of the story we covered, I think, last month, the guy that uh, was getting carjacked and suspect that, or maybe it was, it was either his keys or his wallet, but he, you know, was asked for his belongings and he, like, chucked it, you know, kind of tossed it over onto the ground that forced the robber to go over and retrieve it, which created the opportunity for him to draw and use his, his gun. Uh, so pretty, uh, pretty remarkable stuff, you know, quick thinking on the feet for sure. Yeah. So, and I, and one quick uh, comment that I wanted to address um, uh, that somebody mm-hmm. asked about, can he legally shoot a guy running away um, from, from his statement? He said the guy was turning towards him and he could see that he had a, fu- a handgun in his hand. Um, and so he wasn't actually like fleeing outside the business. He was still in the business turning uh, with a firearm in his hand. So I think it's reasonable to say, you know, he just threatened to kill the guy. They robbed him. Um, and, and, you know, he still has a firearm in his hand. Um, so I, I, I think it would be different than him shooting him in the parking lot as he's getting in a car or something like that. Yeah. Well, and, and then also there's a comment here from Bobby. He says uh, he hopes that they find all those firearms they got away with. And the good news here is that, you know, police were immediately able to apprehend the third robber who was the one that turned and got himself shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a, I would say there's a good chance they're able to recover most, if not all of these guns, because, you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I'm pretty confident that the intelligence I- exists if this suspect does not, wasn't, did not give up his accomplices immediately. Uh, 
they probably could, you know, via his cell phone or other means, find out who he was associated with pretty quickly and track these guys down. And, and that would lead them to the guns pretty quickly, probably before they could do anything with them. So, so that there's some hope in that at least, uh, you know, if they, if this has been a robbery and they got away and, you know, a few days or a week expired before police caught up to them, then those guns are probably as good as gone. But uh, in this case, I'd like to think they, they catch up to them pretty quick. I hope that's the case. For sure. Final story. We need to wrap it up here. Uh, this is a good one, though, out of Massachusetts, Allentown. Uh, Robert was shot, killed in a struggle with man working on his car. It's a pretty complex situation. But basically what you have is a man who's out in his car. It's in the afternoon, 2.55 p.m. This happened on August 8th. This man is out working on his car. He's uh, like installing speakers or sound system or something in his vehicle. He's actually in the back seat. And two robbers approach him, one on the driver's side, one on the passenger side. Now, by the way, this is a technique. This is a tactic we need to be aware of in the case of like a carjacking or other robbery situation uh, where a vehicle where we are in a, in a vehicle. Uh, much the same way a lot of times police officers, partners working together are going to have one approach on one side, a cover officer approach on the other side to keep an eye on things from another angle, trying to check you know other uh, parts of the vehicle or see what's going on so they can properly cover their their buddy, their partner. Uh, robbers do, you know what, they do the same thing, right? So be, be, be watchful for that kind of thing, for that kind of situation. I'll tell you what, if you have two men approach you while you're in your vehicle, uh, and they come up on both sides of the vehicle, they're not there to ask directions, right? So uh, uh, that that should be putting the hair, hair up on end, right? Standing up on end and you go, okay, something's going down. In this case, this poor gentleman was caught off guard. Uh, he's in a situation, you know, we talk about situational awareness, right? We had that comment come up just a little bit ago as we talked about the, the other story, Matthew. We cannot truly be 100% situationally aware about everything at all times and all places uh, because that's not how life works. Here we have a man doing work in his vehicle. You can't be bending over, crawling over, around, underneath, etc. your vehicle while you work on it and still be 100% situationally aware. It's not the dude's fault. It is what it is, right? You're on a nice, you know, uh, uh, fall, late summer afternoon, working on your car, 3 p.m., like you're not expecting to get robbed, right? Anyway, bad guys come up on driver's side and passenger side of the vehicle. Uh, they, they point guns at him, the vehicle owner. They then take him into his apartment and confront him there. And uh, he began running. So as they were, I guess, trying to take him there or something, it says here that they exited the vehicle owner's apartment. So they, they, they accosted him in his vehicle. They then went into his apartment. It sounds like they come back out of his apartment. Um, and they began again running, chasing the uh, owner around the parking lot. Uh, he was able to, the, the, the accomplice during a short struggle dropped his gun and the good guy is able to pick up his gun. So as they chase each other around the parking lot apartment complex, good guy and bad guy shooting at each other, good guy shooting at bad guy with bad guy's gun. <laughs> kind of a funny, you know, funny story in that it, it, there's this dichotomy of we just had a story where an intruder managed to take away the 
good guy's gun, and now we have a good guy taking away the bad guy's gun yep. and using it against him. The good guy, fortunately, was not uh, injured in all of this. Uh, one of the bad guys were, and uh, they've got these guys, uh, um, you know, they, they, they've been able to get these these guys. In fact, the one robber was, uh, he was killed. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, crazy story. Very crazy, very crazy. But say the best for last, right? A, glad you guys stuck around to the end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep. Uh, I hope that you got something out of these, out of us sharing these justified safe stories today. Uh, I, you know, these are a great opportunity for me to just review my, my plans, my preparations, my mindset. Make sure you know that I'm that I am preparing in the right ways. That uh, that my mind is right. That I know what I'm going to do ahead of time before I find myself in, in a, in a tricky situation. I'm real big on that. We've talked about that before about, you know, knowing what you're going to do or what you can do, knowing what your options are ahead of time so that you are a little bit ahead of the power curve and not behind. That's where we don't want to be. Cause, cause because we are in a, de- excuse me, in a defensive um, context anyway, we, we always are forced to be the reactor to a situation. And so anything we can do to help us get a, a few steps ahead uh, is really, really, really beneficial. So having some game plans, having preparations, having, you know, all kinds of things figured out ahead of time, being aware of your surroundings. I mean, here's the thing. It's not just about head on a swivel, you know, looking around, checking things out, but knowing what's in your environment, knowing what is available to you in that environment, knowing what, you know, terrain can be used uh, to your advantage, all kinds of things, right? So um, all of that is beneficial as and is a part of that, as we call situational awareness. So anyway, that's, that's where I'll leave it. Yeah. I can't add any more. <laughs> Comment from Jay. Great show, Riley and son. I mean, Matt, <laughs> great show, fellas. That's funny, Jay. Thanks for watching, buddy. Thanks, man. Uh, I, I like it, too, when the good guys win. And uh, most of our good guys won today. One did not. And, uh, you know, that, that I'm going to remember that one for a while because uh, those are those that, that's one of those stories that just is not easy to forget. Yeah. Uh, so I hope that uh, all of our listeners and viewers today are just a little bit more prepared today and tomorrow than they were yesterday. But we need to wrap this up. Matthew, real quick, let's pick a raffle or, a, I guess, a, a prize giveaway winner. I got it. I got it up right now. Some you ready for the ball. name? <laughs> Our winner is Who we got? Who's John. Been, what, are they winning? what are they winning? John, he's winning John a winning? pack of the uh, Concealed Carry Reactive Targets, a 25-pack. Awesome. 25-pack yep. of our basically our peel-and-stick targets. Great targets. Uh, yeah, high-vis targets. Good stuff. And, John, Congrats, you won. John. Yeah, I will email you here shortly. Awesome. And, and do we have a giveaway for next week? We do. Um, the giveaway that's going on that you can enroll in now or sign up for now is a Bump in the Night DVD. So awesome. that goes until Tuesday. So, so you'll get one of those... Uh, Bump in the night DVDs free. Uh, that'll be, or are we actually doing the DVD or streaming? Uh, let me double. It's a DVD. 
Okay, we'll we'll ship you the DVD. I Unless guess if you you'd rather get the streaming access, that is fine too. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you can let us know. We'll we'll announce that winner next uh, next Tuesday. In fact, so guys, you still have time to get signed up. So I know somebody commented earlier that they 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 always forget to sign up. Well, guys, we're 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 here at the end of the episode, so we're going to close it up. And uh, you head on over to concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize and get signed up for a free simple weekly giveaway. All right, and you got till next Tuesday to do that, and uh, winners will be announced. Yep. So thank you for doing this episode with me today, Matthew. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. You're the man. Well, folks, it's time to let you go. We, we remind you to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. <laughs>